The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to up-level your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today, I have a special guest coming on to talk to us all about the legalities of running a business. And I'm so excited to have her on because she has supported me throughout this journey to be able to help have everything in place that I need for my contracts and my events and everything that I do on the legal side of things. And the reason why I've asked her to come onto the podcast today is because she makes it so simple and easy. So thank you so much, Riz, for joining me from Found Legal. Thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. I can't wait to talk all things legal with you. So what I thought we could do today is actually just dive straight in and let's talk about some of the top mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make and then we'll dive into some foundations and some growth elements around scale. So what are some of the mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make that when it comes to their legals? Well, a couple of things, actually, and, and it ties into their legals as a consequence. It's, um, you know, they think small, not big, and don't think they need contracts in place. Oh, it's just, you know, one little client. We don't need a contract. Oh, I like this person. They're not going to do anything. Nothing's going to go wrong. So they don't think about um, their contract terms and what that should look like. And the other is they don't set kind of boundaries, which ties into the contracts as well. Um, uh, so there's that aspect and then the other is not thinking or treating their business as a business especially when they've gone from say side hustle to full-time working in their business they still have that almost like a side hustle hobby mentality to their business and by not you know um stepping outside of that and stepping uh, up mentally, I guess, you know, they don't, don't uh, realize that there are certain things they need to have in place to protect them, especially, you know, terms and conditions, whether that's on their website um, and contract terms with their one-on-one clients um, and also not giving some thought to their structure of the business and, uh, and what that should look like so they can make informed decisions. So, you know, as a sole trader, for example, if you're a trader running a business um, you're personally liable if you do something wrong or something goes wrong and it's your fault um, uh, and and so you know your personal assets on the line as a sole trader um, as a company structure you have certain uh, you know duties and responsibilities and and just not having the right insurance in place you know to protect and mitigate those risks so there's an I mean I could talk about all this all day but there's some of the things that come top of mind uh, immediately uh, in response to that question yeah for sure and I've definitely seen that for um, clients that I've worked with and just having that mentality that they're not really going all in on their business and doing all the things that it takes to actually legitimately set their business up to safeguard themselves for all of those things. And even I think, as you mentioned just slightly there, some partnerships, like I've had conversations with you around, you know, partnerships and how sometimes they can go so south. And especially like, I think in the creative space and in solo entrepreneurs where we have so many great friends that we want to collaborate with, 
And then sometimes if we don't consider some of the things that could go wrong, and it's not even necessarily having the negative mindset that it will go wrong. It's just being mindful that when there's money involved and when there's collateral involved, like I remember having the conversation with you about just even thinking about like, if you did an event together with somebody else, there's an email list who owns the email list, who owns the images, like all of those types of things that you don't necessarily consider when it's a friend and you want to put on a great event. Absolutely. And it's kind of like um, you, th- you kind of go into it thinking, you know, it's going to be all right, you know, and, and there is that very kind of Aussie thing, right, uh, about that. She'll be right. Um, but the, the, the thing is, you know, when you think about it, when you step up and when you think about all the things that you need, not only um, does it protect you and your clients, um, it's also uh, induces confidence in your clients when they reach out to you. They can see your professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a professional business, you know, when you have your if they land on your website and see that you have a privacy policy, you have terms and conditions, they know who you are. If they look at your terms and conditions, they can see what business, your, your ABN, etc. For example, when they receive the contract from you, it's all very uh, professional, you know, um, and also, you know, when um, you collaborate with someone like you mentioned there, it's not so much even if money is exchanging hands, it's about setting out the roles and responsibilities and what happens to the content that's generated and how can you use in and, and, and being fair to each other, making it clear from the get-go, well, this is the foundation of this relationship and this is what's going to happen if things go right. Um, sometimes things can go wrong. Events might be cancelled, for example. Well, how do we deal with that? And how should we manage that? So having those conversations up front is important. It's a bit like when you move in with your partner. Before you move in, you should really be talking about finances, who's responsible for what, and all those good things. And um being on the same page, so to speak, around important issues that may come up um, and, and contracts and relationships around uh, events or collaborations are no different. You need to have uh, setting expectations, setting boundaries, setting out the roles and responsibilities. And what does that look like if um, things go wrong? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the way I like to look at legals is or any type of agreements and things like that, it's it's almost like just considering it from a place of open and transparent communication between 100%. you and the other party, whether that's a party of your client or whether it's with a friend or whether it's with a collaboration, business partner, it's open and clear, transparent communication that they know exactly what's going to happen when certain things do go well, don't go well, all the ins and outs of it. Absolutely. I'm nodding my head at every word you just spoke there for the listeners who uh, can't see that. But um, yeah, 100%, all of those things that you've just said, it's so, so important. And like I said, it's kind of like um, setting expectations and boundaries as well when you think about it. it and, and the word transparency, super, super important. So there's that tr- transparency as well. And also it layers into, you know, when they come to your website, when they eventually meet you, whether that's in person or over the phone or in a Zoom call or whatever it might be, you're setting expectations, setting boundaries. And then when you move into that next phase of contracting with them, you know, you send them the contract and you're further, if you think about it, setting further boundaries and expectations. It's all lovely, uh, you know, little uh, tier of things happening where you have set expectations and boundaries. And the bonus is that 
Google likes you having privacy policies on your website. The bonus is you look professional as well and that you mean business and you take your business seriously. Absolutely. And you know what the other, I think the other bonus to it is, is as well, especially if you work one-on-one with clients, is the commitment level from their side. So when they're signing something so formal and they're looking through all the details and the expectations and what's required of them from their side, as well as then how you're showing up and how, what, how you're going to commit to them, it builds such a beautiful commitment with them in the partnership and whatever it is that you're doing. Absolutely. And it lets them know, well, you've just had a conversation and the contract essentially is spelling out that consultation that you've had, telling them what they're going to receive and how it's going to be received and all those good things. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Is there any other key foundations that you think people need to have in place when it comes to taking their business, I guess, from that side hustle to full time? So contracts is a must. And if you have a website having, you know, uh, website T's and C's, uh, a privacy policy there, you know, and, and, and making sure also, look, the website T's and C's don't just protect you, they protect the user as well. And it also informs the user of your website around your intellectual property. So your intellectual property on your website is also, you know, protected in the sense that it tells the user, hey, this is for your Uh, viewing pleasure, so to speak, for your personal use, not for you to go and take it and sell it or make money from it. You know, so there's those things. The other thing to think about is insurance as well. It's something that businesses sometimes forget to think about. So that's important as well. Um, And depending on the nature of the business, there's different types of insurance out there. So if you're you're the kind of business, a service provider, for example, that... um, you know, received lots of sensitive commercial information as part of their business of dealing with those clients, then you might want to also think about, for example, not just professional indemnity insurance, but also cyber security insurance in case, you know, your your systems are hacked. Um, If you're a a product-based business, then you might want to think about product liability insurance, you know, or, um, you know, Uh, other uh, shipping insurance and all those kind of things depending on the nature of your business there's so there's a number of different types of insurance as well and it's worth speaking to a broker to understand that and it also helps you as well from your contractual perspective as well and if things go wrong Um, the other thing like I said to think about as well is um, you know your structures but in addition to all of that and, and, and another thing that businesses forget to do is protect your brand name, you know, uh, through a, a, a trademark uh, because uh, businesses think that when they register their business name with um, ASIC, uh, they think that's it. Nobody else can have that name, you know. But the, the reality is you don't have exclusive rights to your brand name, business name, unless you've actually registered it as a trademark. That gives you exclusive rights within Australia. Um, so if you are serious about your business, if you want to grow and monetize that business, um, you want to give some serious consideration to protecting that brand name so you have exclusive rights to using it. And obviously, there are steps to get in there. And we're, this is not the conversation for that as such. But, you know, always a couple of things that always be mindful of is do all your searches, your Google searches, your social searches and a search of IP Australia as well. 
to make sure that the name you want to call your business is available first and foremost um, and the asset register actually um, so first and foremost make sure your name is available and if it is available and you're super keen on that name and you want to take it further then um, seriously think about trademarking it as well or registering it as a trademark is a worthwhile investment um, and it will um, it's if, just give you a couple of examples you know if you want to get go to a stage where you want to get to that next level with your business you know you could license um you know your uh, intellectual property to other businesses so for example if you want to become a franchise one day you know you have a registered trademark that you can license to your franchisees as an example you yeah. know when you think big and you're thinking uh, uh with that in mind if you're a product-based business you have your own branded products, your business name, you know, trademark it. It's it's a it's an asset. Yeah. It, it becomes an asset in its own right. And then, you know, and not to confuse trademarking with copyright. Copyright is the content, the, the ideas that become an expression uh, written down on paper, for example. And again, I won't go into it in a, a lot of detail. But for example, your course content that you create, your blog articles that you create, anything that's original that you've created, um, is your copyright and you want to protect that um, you don't have to register copyright in Australia it's automatically created the moment you create that content if that makes sense it automatically but um, you should certainly have the little c in a circle and uh, and uh, you know your business name uh, and you know the year put that in in the foot on your website in the foot of all your content even if you convert it to pdfs make sure it's there your website terms and conditions i mentioned earlier will have language in there about hey everything on this website everything in my course is my ip you're only allowed to use it for these purposes you know so you you have all these different layers to indicate hey this is my uh, copyright um, so those are the kind of things. Um, so you're not legally required to say, hey, this is my copyright. Use the little C in the circle. But if you want to protect it, if you want to put people on notice that, hey, this is my copyright, then uh, th there's a number of different ways you can do that through contracts, through website terms, uh, the indicator with the little C watermark. You know, there's lots of different ways you can do that. And businesses um, forget that the content they create has value. Mm -hmm. They forget that their business name can potentially have value and there's been instances you know where two years three years down the track somebody decides right I'm ready to trademark my name and then discover somebody else has it um, and then it's like well what do I do uh, you know and it's potentially a, a very expensive exercise to either try and convince IP Australia you should own it uh, and the reasons why and pr provide the evidence um, or you have to start from scratch. And that's happened as well to businesses just before they're about to launch. Mm -hmm. They focus on the beautiful logo and the branding and the beautiful website and copy. And then they go to launch and discover, oops, somebody else's trademark I'm using. And they have to rebrand, rename, and it's a very costly exercise. So I think previously I mentioned about the searches. So, so important to do that before you fall in love with your name or your brand and proceed with those expensive activities. Um, I know this may be like an unanswerable question because it's kind of like how long is a piece of string? But is there like at certain times or at certain levels of your business when you should actually start to consider that trademark? 
I think you should, if you can afford to think of it as one of the first steps, as the foundational steps, if you can, because it becomes a more expensive exercise later down the track, especially if you're faced with a scenario, somebody else has it mm. uh, already registered in your space. Uh, so if you're a course creator and you have a particular brand name you've been using, but you when you go to register it, when you think you're ready two years down the track, as an example, and somebody else has that exact name registered for those exact class of goods and services that you, you operate in, it's too late, um, you know, unless you can prove that they only just applied for it and you've been in business for X number of years and you uh, can support all of that. So it's a it's an expensive exercise and you might not be successful. So it's if you can afford to, it's something worthwhile considering at the beginning uh, rather than uh, two years down the track. And look, it should be part of your, you know, when you do your business plan, for example, and I hope you all do, by the way, because it's a good exercise. Um, when you're putting together a business plan of what your business looks like, what the strategy is, and you know, you're planning out two to three years, maybe even five years uh, with all your goals and expectations for that amazing business, you should factor in you know, the trademark as, uh, as the foundational steps into that. Um, you know, because it, like I said, it becomes a costly exercise to try and um, uh, track it back if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I just love this and I love it how simple and easy you make it but it's about considering you know all those kind of ins and outs and when I think when you're so passionate in your business and if you don't know the information it can be so easy to skip those kind of steps which in the end in the long run they do become a costly exercise for sure absolutely absolutely and look you know if you look at the big businesses they all started somewhere you know, and became big. And they, and even those with the big budgets who do start kind of big, if that makes sense, you know, when they set up their businesses, they're, they're looking after their IP. It's one of the main things. Like Disney, Disney is in the business of making movies, not dolls. They license other businesses to make the dolls. And they yeah. it's a lucrative business for them, you know. Um, so y- you can monetize your intellectual property which is your trademark and the content you create the copyright so when you create a course that's your intellectual property it's your copyright and then put on the brand name on top of that as well and what if one day you want to sell that business it's going to have more value if the ip has been properly looked after and protected Mm, absolutely and i think that in early years of your business, you don't necessarily consider that long-term no, impact no. For sure, or the long-term results of where your business yeah. can go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there any other surprising things that you see happen or that you find that entrepreneurs come to you with challenges that you find quite surprising that they don't consider? Well, um, there's a couple of things that come to mind and, and it typically revolves um, around contract terms or, or not having clear uh, terms so they they um it's kind of like when they have a contract that they've cobbled together from different parts they don't appreciate that it's not reflective of what they do and they come to me and say hey this person isn't paying 
And when I look at the terms, they're not very clear to protect them. And that's a big problem. And setting also, um, uh, one of the things um, my clients have a problem with is the scope creep aspect where they uh, quote for the services, but they don't break down what those services are going to include. And, um, and they end up spending a lot more hours than they anticipated and they can't charge for those additional hours because the terms weren't very clear. Um, that seems to be a common issue is the, the contract terms aren't very well structured. That can be an issue. The other issue is copyright and the lack of protection and clarity they have around the ownership of that in their contracts. Because like I said, you know, the person who creates the content typically owns it. But if you hire a contractor to do work for you to create content on your behalf, you need to make sure your contract terms clearly state that you're going to be the owner if that's what you want to be, you know, that they're creating the content for you and they don't always do that. Um, the other issue is, and I've uh, experienced this mostly with um, graphic designers and surface designers, is they don't make it clear the use that their client can make of that, of the, the what they create and what the limitations are. Um, so again, it relates back to the copyright and um, not getting paid for what they're worth, if that makes sense. So they might, um, you know, create something and say, hey, you can use this beautiful design on t-shirts. But when they don't make it clear that client uses it on something else, they've lost the royalties to that something else, if that makes sense. So it goes back to money as well, uh, a lot. Um, and it goes back to not having very clear terms in the first place or having zero terms. And, and, and it's um, unfortunately, it's happened quite a lot. And I'm trying to find a way to educate and communicate that, you know, you need to have clear terms. So it typically uh, comes back to lack of clarity or lack of understanding, uh, to be fair as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, around how should I protect and how should I value what I do in the right way? Yeah. And I think that's where it's so important that you get the advice from somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> um, and I love that you have, you've got some incredible templates that you've created that are available to purchase on your website, but then actually having it, having that conversation with you to make sure that if it, there is all those ins and outs that you haven't considered that you know how to ask the right questions to figure that out, to know, that maybe you need a customized template or a customized contract that is specific to your business. That Absolutely. Yeah, because I think yeah. that it can be so easy for, especially for startups, so they're not really considering those types of things to just easily just find a contract somewhere, um, borrow a contract, copy a contract, and just think like that will do. But at yeah. the end of the day, it, when you've got so many different facets of your business and different elements, like you were saying, but if you haven't protected yourself, even just with a basic contract, then you can be leaving yourself liable to so many issues. Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, because when you, uh, for example, using the surface designer as an example, and, and potentially anyone who creates amazing content, basically, but using that as an example, you may create something for somebody, like I said, and charge them a particular fee based on what you're agreeing, okay? So, hey, I'm agreeing for you. I've created this beautiful design. You can use it in your business for T-shirts only. Here's the fee. If your contract doesn't make that clear that it's for T-shirts only and they have to come back to you to license it for anything else, then you, you, the price you've charged is just for the T-shirts, right? 
So if they then go ahead and use it on other things, you have lost out financially on that, you know, and all correct. And if you didn't make it clear that those rights you're giving them are maybe not exclusive, say, and you wanted to then go and use it somewhere else, if you weren't clear on that, then they potentially have exclusive rights. And so you've lost out on other potential income streams as well related to that particular design if you weren't clear on the purpose the territory so is it australia wide is it worldwide license you know those kind of things so when you don't do that you are hurting your own financial bottom line yeah so talk to me more about trademarks because i've got a lot of clients that are asking about trademarks at the moment so what are some of the things i need to consider with the trademarks and as you were saying before that you can trademark it in Australia. Are you saying you can't trademark it internationally or is that a whole other process? No, no, absolutely you can, but it's a whole other process and it can be an expensive process as well. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll stick to Australia, but you can do uh, overseas trademarks. It depends. It goes back to that comment I made about business strategy, okay? So in if you have a strategy to be, you know, global world world domination or if you have particular markets you want to focus on then you should include consideration for trademark protection in those uh, countries as well Um, and and but it can become expensive now with um, trademarking if you um, first of all you need to do the due diligence meaning research 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 do your research check you know the social handles you know check um the domain name, you know, make sure it's available. There's no point having a beautiful name and then you don't have the website to match it, right? Or the socials for that matter. So check the ASIC register, check the IP Australia register where trademarks are registered, check your socials, check your, um, you know, your domain name and make sure all of those things are free, you know, i.e. your name hasn't been taken by somebody else. The other thing is if you have an interesting spelling, of your business name, you might want to think, I know it's an extra expense, but you may want to think about saving those socials as well and those domain names that have a slightly different spelling, but same sign. So find, for example, find legal with the one, I have it with two Ds, but I've saved the domain name and socials with the one D as well, just to be on the safe side. Once you've done all of that search and you know the trademark is available, then you go and register the business name, you you take the domains, the socials, and you go on to IP Australia to register your trademark. But before you do that, there is this one other step as well. You need to understand the goods and services you offer because IP Australia has um, uh, approximately 45 classes of goods and services. So you need to make sure you understand Uh, And this goes back to the whole business strategy, you know, is your business going to be just courses and always courses? What is the core part of your business that you're going to be earning an income from? And and you need to think about all of that because um, registering for classes of goods and services can become expensive as you add the classes. We're talking 300 plus dollars per class and that's just IP Australia's costs and then there's the potential legal costs if you don't do it if you do it by yourself obviously you don't factor in the legals but if you're going to hire a lawyer then you've got to factor in IP Australia's costs and the legal costs into that budget and you don't want to uh, 
skip a step in terms of that underlying research and, and doing that work first, because there's no point having a trademark and not having the domain name that you want to use as well. Sometimes it depends on what you're going to do. But if you can try and get all of that and do the work, don't tell anyone until you've got everything, you know, so don't be giving away your plans and ideas until you've got everything in place to protect <laughs> you. But certainly uh, the biggest factor in, um, you know, taking that step for trademarking is the research, that important foundational step. It's not the registration of it. It's the work leading up to the registration of it and understanding the classes of goods and services that apply to you. Those are the things that are important. And that's where, you know, lawyers who do this for a living understand those things uh, more, if you like. Um, I mean, you can spend a whole day and still, you know, not quite get it right. Or you can hire somebody. It's entirely, um, you know, uh, uh, a choice for you, I guess. But uh, certainly I know that if I want my car fixed, I take it to a mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Not messing with the car. <laughs> and don't mess with your business by doing things that, yeah, could potentially set you up for risk. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that. So I'd love to know, so where did this all begin? So tell me a little bit about your experience and how you came to now be focused on supporting passionate entrepreneurs. Well, um, so well, I've been a lawyer for about 16 years now, and majority of that has been spent negotiate, drafting and negotiating contracts. Um, and, um, and I love that back and forth uh, and figuring things out around, around that. But um, about, oh, Gabriel's 11 now. So when uh, I was um, pregnant with Gabriel, I thought I would have so much time on my hands. I was going to learn how to bake cupcakes and run a cupcake business. <laughs> I never opened that book. I kept that book as a reminder to follow your passions, right? Because I wasn't following my passions and I'm a terrible baker. I cannot bake at all. I burn things because I'm more of a cook than a baker. I'm more of a, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I discovered that you can't do that with baking. It's a precise, <laughs> precise art. I was terrible. What was I thinking? Um, and then when I was pregnant with my second child, Ella, um, you know, I was I was kind of bored. I, I wanted to be, you know, active and busy and keep my mind busy. And um, my husband had his business, uh, a barbering salon, and he sold these amazing products. And I said, why don't you have a website? And he said, I don't know. I didn't think of that. And I was like, well, can I take care of that? So I started his e-commerce business for him and I loved it. I loved that whole, you know, um, putting it all together, setting the business up. And I, and I, and I've been a bit of an entrepreneur since I was young, I guess, you know, and I loved all those elements. And I continue to do that as a side, along with my day job as a lawyer. But I discovered I love doing that more than I love being a lawyer. But I also loved the whole contracts aspect of it. And I got to meet some amazing people. And when I started thinking more and more about, well, why don't I do go out and do all of this? I discovered that there was a gap in the market, that there was people out there who weren't fully informed about 
you know, their legals and how to protect them. And also that legals were very expensive for small businesses and businesses just starting out. Um, and I wanted to um, help them. And I love helping people. I love problem solving. So it really kind of called to me to do this. And, um, and so that's how Fine was born through a passion to make legal less legal. So get rid of the legalese for a start to make it affordable. So fixed fees and templates, you know, so, so I wanted to do, so I tried to think of all the ways in which I can help people who were just starting out, especially in the creative industry, you know, those course creators, those graphic designers, etc. And, and how can I support them? How can I help them? Uh, and, and that they should have the same access to legals that bigger businesses have. And that's how Fine kind of ba basically came about. And I wanted to also layer it within that as well, because even with my legal services that are super, you know, effective and fixed fee, there, there was still an element of, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. So that's why the templates came about as well, because I would rather they have something than nothing, you know, um, and, and, and run that risk. And even if I say so myself, those templates are pretty detailed. And, um, and I also wanted to provide more than that. So that's why I create you know, the content I create, that's why I give so much on my socials as well, because I want to share that knowledge. I want to break down that that whole fear of legals being something that's scary and overwhelming and um, only uh, businesses with big budgets can afford it. So I wanted to get rid of all of that. So I'm on a mission to empower people to appreciate that respect those risks and protect themselves and that it doesn't have to be scary and overwhelming I'll help them through that that um, legals can dare it dare I say it can be a little fun it depends on how you approach it right <laughs> uh, well it's certainly fun for me right so I wanted to make sure that I was able to educate and empower that was the key thing for me uh, and and I've used this analogy many times and that is I want to give them the fishing rod, not the fish. I want to make sure that when they receive a contract from me or a custom service from me, that they understand their own contract and that it works for them. And they can then go, go away confidently and negotiate with whoever they're negotiating with and stand firm on what they have in their contract because they know it's there to protect them. Mm. So... And you definitely—that's sure, a long that. answer. Yeah, no, but that was great because you definitely do that, and you do make it—you do take the fear out of it, and just being able to talk to someone about it so specifically about your business, and to be able to get the guidance, and to be able to break it down without having to make it so complicated is so nice. Like it's such a beautiful experience, and I just remember like that first phone call that I had with you, and it was just so simple that you were like, "Yep, of course, we can do this. We can do this. We can do that. Have you considered this? Have you considered this?" And I was like, no, but please help me with all of it. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's so good. And I think that you're so right. There is such a, a stigma around it. And there is such a, a sort of feels very out of reach and very extensive without even considering what the cost of not doing it is. So absolutely. If, if you are listening at the moment and you haven't got your legal sorted, then please reach out to Riz. She does do a complimentary 20 minute call. So then you can discuss your legal needs with her and she can suggest whether it's a template, whether it's a custom made support to support you to be able to have all your legals in place, then definitely reach out to her. 
And follow her on socials. She does really do offer some great content. So find her on Instagram at found with a double D, legal, um, really nice and easy to find. So tell me, I would love to know with your business, do you consider the long term? Have you started to think about where you want to take found in, say, five, 10 years? Absolutely. So when I first started Find, I did all the, so all the things I try to practice what I preach. <laughs> so I, I have uh, looked into a, like a five-year plan and, um, and part of that was to have my own podcast. Part of that was to be, make sure I was um, uh, an authority in what I do. And so my socials and my blogs content and my podcast content reflects all of that. I wanted to, um, create courses to make it even more accessible and even more easier if that makes sense for uh, the legals to be accessible and not sound kind of legalese if that makes sense so I've created a, a free course and a paid course and I'm looking to expand that as well and, and narrow it down into smaller fields shall we say and again the whole approach is um you know, to make it, what's that word I'm looking for, accessible and make you feel empowered. You know, knowledge is power, they say, right? And But then again, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. But what I want to do is explain it in a way that each business owner is confident that they understand what they need how they need to then do it and how they can protect their own businesses and, and educate them to protect themselves and grow their, their empires, if that makes sense. So so I'm on a mission to keep doing what I'm doing, to grow Find um, and grow the team to provide the, those services I'm already providing. And I want to make sure that the service continues to be exceptional. And I'm very proud of that. And I want to continue that. And I don't want that to change no matter how big and I I plan to grow big uh, uh, grows and one of the amazing things and I know you didn't ask this question but one of the amazing things I find running my business is uh, two things actually not one one is uh, I want to think and I do think big not small my business is small but it's not going to be forever and I think of it as a big business even if it stays small does that make sense yeah love um, that. and the other is um being surrounded by amazing people. I have found such an amazing community uh, through Facebook and through Instagram, the people who follow me. And there is so much to learn. I'm always learning and I'm open to learning as well. And I have... I've loved every single moment of this journey so far. And um, and I am so honored, you know, that people trust me to provide them with the support that they need. And I have had the opportunity to meet so many amazing, uh, predominantly businesswomen, but also amazing businessmen as well. Uh, I, I've been so for fortunate, I have to say, and this community has been amazing. Mm, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. I totally agree. I think it's really important that you do surround yourself with incredible people. And yes, I, yeah, it's yeah. been one of the biggest parts of my journey as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, I know this is, I, I'm a lawyer and I run a legal business, but I don't see it as a law firm, if that makes sense. I see it as a business. I treat it as a business. Um, and, um, you know, but that business, you know, has lots of different moving parts and elements to it. And so should 
everyone else is. There should be, you know, it's a combination of having the right protections, whether that's through contracts and your legal, you know, the legal protections and the right structures. But also what is important is surrounding yourself with the right people, um, surrounding yourself, you know, and being part of other communities. Don't feel like you're alone, whether you're still at the side hustle stage or whether you're just branching out. And also mindset, the mindset aspect and um, and just being fully informed of what you need and how you need to do it. Educate yourself and don't ever stop. Uh, think that your education stops at a point. It's a constant evolving thing. So when you surround yourself with the right people, when you have the right mindset, when you know where you want to be and set your goals, plan them out, have different goals, achieve them and get get more goals you know don't stop having goals so when you do all of those things magic happens yeah. I think I completely agree completely agree and I mean you preach into the choir when it comes to the mindset <laughs> element of course um but I think it's really important that you start to consider like and I, I think that a lot of times people will consider their legals as one of those fearful things or one of those things that they don't know a lot about so it kind of gets pushed to the side and they don't consider it until it becomes this thing where they should yeah. And I think that when it comes to like the mindset element, it's like if you start to look at the things that you're fearful of and you take control of those, mm-hmm. like with the knowledge that you're talking about, with being able to implement things and get the information that you need because it is power, you're actually taking your power back rather than letting that actually take your power away from you. Absolutely. And by doing that, you are setting them up to be so empowered because you're legitimately treating your business like a proper business. You're showing up differently. You're being able to set yourself up as the expert, you know, in the industry because you are presenting yourself with all of these things in place that you know that you can take care of your business long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, like I said, magic happens when you have all those things in in place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What's been one of your proudest moments in business? Oh, there's so many, to be honest, um, but me, re- reaching my 12-month milestone um, and seeing every month the growth in the business, so every month. So, yeah, reaching the 12 months, I'd say, proudest moment, um, but also the day I set up my business was my proudest moment as well. And, um, you know, and one of the things I do want to say is celebrate your wins, big and small, because do you know what I do? <laughs> It's probably why I keep putting on weight and not losing it. But um, every time I reach a small little milestone, it's time for some champagne or something. And I celebrate it. So every week I celebrate a little milestone um, by having, whether it's champagne or my favorite wine or whatever it might be, there's a bit of a recurring theme there. Um, But I celebrate or we might, you know, go with the kids and go and have a nice meal somewhere or something, you know. So celebrate your wins, you know, big or small. And for me, my proudest moment, though, in terms of answering your question was definitely the 12 month mark and that first day as well. Mm, Amazing. Beautiful. And I'd love to just finish on if anybody is wanting to take their business to the next level, what's the advice that you would give them? I think, you know, make sure you have a strategy in place, have a plan in place as to what that looks like. Don't be afraid of making the decisions. Um, make sure that, you know, you have mentors there to support you. Have a have a cheer squad. Have your own cheer squad as well. But when you believe, when you have the right systems and processes in place, 
anything can happen and you should definitely not ever hesitate to take that next step. Mm, Love it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me today, Riz. It's been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you sharing all your insights and all your beautiful knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. And here's to taking your life to the next level.